Pursuit of Excellence, I love, I love this series. In fact, it's an excellent series. I know you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be fantastic. But you know, when I, when I think of, of Pursuit of Excellence, it reminds me of a time when I, when I was studying at MIT. Just left high school. I'd been a Christian for about a year. And I just left high school. I'm, I'm, I'm in MIT, um, the Michigan Institute of Technology. No, sorry, Monaco Institute of Technology. I get those two mixed up. I was at MIT studying. And, um, and then now it was the summertime. You know when you go for summer jobs when you're studying? I, I did that. And I decided I'm going to study. I'm going to go and work for a Christmas job just, for, just for, the, for the Christmas season. And that was at New Zealand Post at the International uh, Mail Center. So my, my little time there ended up being a couple of years, maybe nearly 10 years. But anyway... Anyway, so be careful if you do a summer job, you might stay there, uh, you know, because they, they loved me so much that I, that I ended up staying there. Uh, and I remember my job was to load aircraft containers with mailbags, okay? Mailbags load this aircraft container. So I was buddied with this other Cook Island guy. He was huge. You, they called him the bear. And uh, honestly, it, it, and uh, I just did exactly what he said. I, was, I didn't want to be loaded into the container myself. And so, well, anyway, when everybody left and it was just me and him, he slowed right down. He slowed right down. I was thinking, whoa, what's going on? And he just grabbed one bag on and just threw it in. And he stood there for a moment. Then he grabbed another bag. And I was going, whoa, what's going on? And he said to me, look, hey, just slow down. Take your time. And I go, do we need to stack it? Nah, don't worry about it. Just throw it in. And you know what? When our shift is over, we just go home. And I go, what, what, what? We're not going to finish the job? Oh, we can leave it for the next poor guy. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it didn't sit well with me. Because I had just finished reading this Bible verse. And for me, this Bible verse talks about the excellence of God. Pursuing, pursuing excellence. And, 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 and it really resonated with my spirit. And, and the verse that I really want to share to you, it really is a verse. Of when, when, when you apply this verse into your life, you begin to see yourself step into your potential. Um, in fact, this is exactly what Verity had done. She stepped into her potential. And, and this verse is this. It says this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And, it's, and what that, what's that saying? It's not about working for your own praise, to be praised by human masters. In fact, what it talks about is, is whatever you do, meaning if it's taking out the rubbish, it's like do it with all your heart as if you're doing it unto the Lord. You know, we all have worked in those jobs and they're those kind of awkward, there's those jobs that nobody wants to do. And they always get the Christmas casual to do it. Or the, or the new guy. But the Bible tells me that no matter what it is, no matter how dumb the job may be to everybody else, you do it as if you're working unto the Lord. And when you apply this into your life, you'll see yourself step out into excellence. Because, because you know, sometimes because if, if, you, if you take that kind of mindset, you know what, that's not really, I don't want to do that. What, you want me to stand and hold a sign at the end of the driveway? It's raining. You really want me to do that? No, I'll, I'll rather do something that's more prominent. But when you begin to understand, whatever you do, work at it as if, uh, with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. Come on, it's not about human um, praises. And so when he said that, it really struck a chord in my heart. In fact, like, like, true to his word, as soon as his job was done, he was gone. It was just me by myself. I was the poor guy he was talking about. Right? So, but you know what? I knew that I didn't have long left, and I knew there was another guy coming. And I thought to myself, you know what? I, I, and I picked up the pace, and I started loading this container as fast as I could. Anyway, my shift came to an end. I still had one more cage to go. I could have just left. Because if I had left, because I wasn't going to get paid for this. Remember, this is my first day. I'm a Christmas casual. They're not going to pay me overtime. And I looked around. 
There was nobody around to, to pat me on the back. So, oh, well, well done. You, you went the extra mile. There was no one else around. I, I, I was thinking to myself, well, I, I could just go home. I'm not getting paid for this. There's no one around for, for them to pat me on my back. But, I knew, but you know what? I couldn't go home because I knew that God was there. Because something inside of, me, inside of me said, work as if you're working unto the Lord. So I stayed behind and I finished the job. You know, God is looking for people who, who are looking for whatever it takes generation, whatever it takes to do what is good, whatever it takes to stand up for justice, whatever it takes to begin to stand and not, not, not uh, fall away because things are getting hard or difficult. You know, um, the difference between success and excellence is a big difference, a big difference. You know, for success, success means being the best. Excellence means being your best. I love that. Because when you say, oh, if I'm going to be the best, then I've just arrived and I'm going to stop. You don't just stop. Excellence means that you never stop. You never just, oh, I'm now the best. I can just sit back. I'm okay. No one else can touch me. No, it means that I'm going to keep pushing myself and be better because that's what excellence is. It's meaning it's being my best, being my best. Success means being better than everyone else. Excellence means being better tomorrow than you were yesterday. Being better tomorrow than you were yesterday. Like if I'm still the same, I can sit back and just be comfortable. I, you know what? I don't, I don't need to push myself. I don't need to strive for excellence. I'll just stay where I am. But excellence tells me that I've got to be better. I've got to be better tomorrow, be better tomorrow than I was yesterday. And I love, what it's, uh, and I love the next uh, illustration. Success means exceeding the achievements of other people. But excellence means matching your practice with your potential. Matching your, matching your practice with your potential. Do you know that I've got huge potential to be 95 kgs? Huge potential. <laughs> However, my practice is not matching my potential. My practice is not matching my potential. You know, I know it was 11 o'clock at night last night, but I still had to have my cake with custard. Portal just made this freshly baked cake. She was like, she was like, you know, I feel like something sweet. So she baked a cake at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I, I, my mind was telling me, do not eat that cake. Do not eat that cake. It came out. I could smell it. And I was saying, eat me. And I had to get the custard out. I had to pour it all over the cake till I couldn't see the cake anymore. And then I had to mash up the cake within the custard. Let me tell you, it was beautiful. But you know what? If I continue to do that, I will never step into my potential of being 95 kgs. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I mean, you know, you, know, you know where your potential is, but does your practice match your potential? And I, I love the story of Verity because her practice matches her potential. You, if you know how hard she's worked to get where she was, you, then she's really stepping into her potential. There's many of us, we've got potential right there, but we, we're like, you know, I'm comfortable where I am, but I'm not going to step out because I like where I am right now. But excellence means matching your practice with your potential. Come on. You know, are you pursuing the best that you could be? Are you pursuing the best that you could be in your place of education? Are you pursuing the best that you could be in your place of work? Or are you just like, oh, you know what? I'm okay where I am. I'll just hang back and I'll just stay, I'll stay comfortable. Are you pursuing the best that you could be for God? God is looking for whatever it takes generation. Now, when I think of a character in the Bible, I think of, I think of this man called Jonathan. I wanna, on a, on, today I want us to focus on a, on a young man called Jonathan. Jonathan really was a man who, di who didn't just sit around and let other things happen. 
He didn't just sit on and be comfortable. He, he was a man that stepped out and really, and his practice began to match his potential. Now, Jonathan in the Bible, he was the son of the king, King Saul. King Saul was the very first king of Israel. But Jonathan, he would one day become best friends, honestly, the closest friend to the next king. And he wasn't the next king. The next king, his name was David. And he would become the greatest king um, that Israel had, would ever come to know. But before Jonathan ever even knew that David existed, before David even took down Goliath, before that moment, this is the part of the story where I really want us to focus on, Jonathan before David. Now, under King Saul's leadership, Israel's in turmoil. Now, the Philistines, they've got the Israelites under siege, so much so that many of King Saul's army have defected to the enemy. They're gone. I don't know about you. Do you ever have some, some people that, that you kind of thought that they were on your side, but you kind of felt like they've defected? Well, this is what's happened to King Saul. They're defected over to the other side. And others were in, and so many of their own men were in great fear that they were in hiding, hiding in caves. They were afraid because it was getting hard. The siege was going on. All King Saul had was 600 men, and they were under siege by the Philistines. And this is where we're going to find ourselves in the story in 1 Samuel chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. If you haven't got a Bible, that's okay. We've got it on the screen. So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19. It says this, Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel, because the Philistines had said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So what the Philistines had done, they've chased away all the, all the blacksmiths, because they, didn't, they, they wanted to make sure that the army of Israel were, were ill-equipped. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points and mattocks and axes and sickles sharpened. So they didn't have any weapons. Okay, what did they have? They had garden utensils. This is, what, this is what the army of Israel had, garden utensils. Only Jonathan and his father had a sword. Everybody else had a garden utensil. No wonder some of them defected. No wonder some of them went in hiding because they were ill-equipped. Have you ever felt ill-equipped? Have you ever felt like that, that, that you haven't got what it takes, so you decided to, to give up? Have you, or you decided, you know what, I'm going to join someone else who seems more equipped than, than, than I am. You know, have you ever been in that place before? And verse 22 goes on, so on the day of the battle, this is the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in their hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. And we go to the next verse, it goes into the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. See, God is looking for men and women who will step up. No matter what adversity comes against them, they will continue to stand. I mean, King, King Saul, he was sitting under a tree. No wonder Jonathan never told his dad, looking at his father's inactivity, he slipped away with his armor bearer to attack the Philistines. Verse 2, Saul was staying on, um, on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Magron. With them were about 600 men among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. Now, ephod is not like a cool t-shirt or anything like that. An ephod, we don't really actually know what it is, but ephod was kind of or something or a device or something that would, like, helped them understand the will of God. So here he is, he's wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phineas. It's kind of a weird thing, right? Why even mention Ichabod? Why, can't, why wouldn't you just say he was the son of Ahitab? But it's like, he was the son of Ichabod, 
or Ichabob's brother Ahitab, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. It's really funny that you would mention, why would you even mention Ichabod? He's not even, there's no point. Why would we need to know that, that, that the priest was a nephew of Ichabod? And the reason why this is in there, because God wants us to associate King Saul, where King Saul was spiritually, with Ichabod. Do you know what Ichabod means? Ichabod means the glory has departed. The glory has departed. You know, King Saul was a, was a man that needed to have all the ducks lined up in a row before he did anything. You know, that doesn't require faith. It doesn't require faith at all. He needed all that to, to do. And many of us, we, we, we want all these things lined up before we step out. Step out. And quite often, if you're waiting until you're 100% sure before you step out, quite often you're too late. The glory has departed. The glory has departed. You see, you see the enemy of faith is not unbelief. Did you know that? The enemy of your faith is not unbelief. The enemy of your faith is sight. Is sight. You know, I want to make sure I can see everything. I want to make sure that I can see everything's all lined up. Then I can step up. My, my Bible tells me that, that, that faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things, what? Certain of the, of the things we cannot see. That's what faith is, is to be certain of the things we cannot see. Verse 4, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistines' outpost was a cliff. One was called Boses, the other was Sina. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, and the other to the south towards Gibber. Where was King Saul? He was under a tree. He was comfortable. What was Jonathan doing? He was going over rough terrain. He was, under, he was, he was pursuing the enemy through rough, it was difficult. But he kept going, no matter how difficult it was, he kept going. So many of us give up when things get difficult. We do. We're passionate, aren't we? Yeah, I'm so passionate for this. I'm really, you know, I really, God's really put a passion in my heart for this. But as soon as things get difficult, we're like, well, maybe it wasn't God. Because things are getting difficult. I, I want to I step into something that's comfortable. And, and when things get difficult, we want to just give up. I mean, the reason why you married your spouse it's because you had passion for him, you had passion for her, but as soon as your marriage get, gets into a terrain or difficulty, oh, maybe I need to hit the reverse button. Maybe I need to do the moonwalk. I'm not sure. Let me tell you something. You need to fight for your marriage because you, you God has given you passion. Fight for your marriage. God is looking for people that will fight for their, for their children, fight for what's going on, and fight for your dreams. God has placed a godly dream on your heart, but things have gotten difficult. So now you're looking for the reverse button and you want to get out of there, but God says, come on, I'll put this dream on your heart. It may be difficult. That's why it's there. That's why I've called you because I'm looking for whatever it takes generation. Come on. We need to fight for our children. Devil, you should have left me at comfortable. But Lord, uh, but because of what, you've, what you're doing to my family, because of what you're doing to, to my children, I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what you stole from me. God is looking for whatever it takes generation. Verse 6. Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, okay, so he's just him. Him and his armor bearer, bearer, right? I love this. I love this dialogue that he has with his armor bearer. Come, let us go over to the outpost to those uncircumcised men. See the word that he uses? He says, he doesn't call them Philistines. Let's go over to the Philistines. He says, let's go over to those uncircumcised men. And for some of the, uh, us boys, we kind of like laugh and feel a bit sore. But, but what, 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 what Jonathan is referring to is that this is not just a physical battle. 
This is a spiritual battle. The Bible tells me that we do not fight against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. The battle that we're fighting is spiritual. You know, Muslim people are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. It's a spiritual battle. Come on, we gotta go back and we gotta go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us. God is looking for whatever it takes generation. And I love what, what Jonathan continues on his dialogue with his armor bearer. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I love the faith of Jonathan. Isn't it amazing? Like there's only two of us. We can do this. There's a whole army over there, but there's only me and you. But uh, you know, perhaps he was thinking, he was thinking of Shamgar. Shamgar, well, Shamgar, Shamgar, he, he, he defeated 600 Philistines with a pointy stick, an ox goad. If God can do it through Shamgar, he can do it through me. Maybe he was thinking of the roses of, uh, the, he was thinking of the writing of Moses. I'm sure Moses had roses. But he was thinking of the writings of Moses. It was Aaron's uh, staff that butted. But anyway, Moses. And, and Moses writes in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred shall put 10,000 to flight. And he's looking at the Philistines. He's looking at the army. He's looking at the post because he's got to climb up there. And he's looking at them, and, he's, and he, he looks at his armor bearer, and he says, me plus you and God, we can do it. We can take them down. And uh, Can you imagine the armor bearer? He's looking at Jonathan. He's, he's holding a sword. We can do it. And the armor bearer's going, I've got a garden utensil. <laughs> <I've got> <laughs> I know you're, you're well equipped, but I've got a garden utensil. But you know what? We need men. We need people. We need men and women like the armor bearer. We need armor bearers. We need people beside us like the armor bearer. And this is what the armor bearer said. This is what he said. Verse 7, he said, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. In other words, whatever it takes, I am with you. Whatever it takes, I am with you. We need armor bearers that will stand with us despite how difficult it may be. It may look like you're losing, but we need people around us that will say, I am with you no matter what it takes. I'm, I'm not giving up. I've started this journey with you. I'm not going to leave at the first sign of, of trouble because God has called us for such a time as this. Whatever it takes, I am with you. You know, we, we, we cannot surround ourselves with people lacking faith who say to us, well, you know what? It may be possible, but it's too difficult. We don't need those people around us. We need armor bearers. People to say, whatever it takes, I am with you. We need people to stand with people who are struggling in their marriage and say, no marriages fail. No marriages fail. Whatever it takes. It may be difficult, but it's possible. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Then verse 8, Jonathan says this, and I love this because Jonathan, he's like, um, he's, like he's, he's giving a test. This is the test whether God is with us. And he begins to put out this test. He says, come on then. We'll cross over towards them and then we'll let them see us. We'll jump like, hey, we're here, we're here. Okay, now if they say to us, this is his test. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, then we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But, but 
If they say, come up to us, we'll climb up because that will be the sign that the Lord has given, given them into our hands. Can you imagine the armor bearer? I, I, this, if I was an armor bearer, I'd be going, that's the sign? Really? That's the sign? Uh, um, you know, uh, I remember you've got the sword. I've got, a, I've got this garden utensil. How, how about if we make it, a, how about if we make it like a, a supernatural test? Right? Because your test is kind of 50-50. It's a 50 <laughs> Really? What kind of test is that? Well, how, about, how, about, how about if they start floating? Then we know God is with us. Right? How many of us, how many people do you know? Well, you know, God, I'm going to give you a test. If you make me win the lotto, then I know you're with me. You know, some of us, we, we won't move until God does miraculous. You got to un- understand something. God will not move until you move. God will not move until you move. See, because the test that Jonathan required still required faith. Faith that God, that, that God will still be with them when they move. And, and I love what happens next. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistines. Outpost, look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding. And remember, many of them were hiding. They, the army had deserted, taken off. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. I would love to see Jonathan's face because he would have had a smile from ear to ear. He's like, that's the side. God is with us. And if I was the armor bearer, I'm like, Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Okay, here we go. We can do this. We can, and but as, as I'm of whatever it takes, I am with you. Okay, so they begin to climb up. They begin to climb up in, in verse 13. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. See, the armor bearer didn't take off. So whatever it takes, I am with you. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. What did the armor bearer have? <laughs> he had a garden utensil. See, many of us, we say, well, I'm not going to step up. Well, uh, uh, God, you know, uh, if I have enough finances, then I'll begin to give. Oh, uh, God, you know, uh, maybe when my kids grow up, then I'll begin to serve. Oh, well, God, you know, I'm not, maybe if I, if, if I have enough equipment, then I'll begin to help out. So many of us hang back because we don't feel that we have what it takes. But you know what? Moses had a, had a rod, but he used it. David had a slingshot, but he used it. Shamgar, Shamgar, I love Shamgar. I love the name of Shamgar. It sounds like Shamgar, son of Thor. Shamgar from the, the, the Asgardian. Shamgar, the Hebrew, because he was a Hebrew. Shamgar had a pointy stick, an ox goad. But he used it. See, that's the clue to living life is to use what you have. Come on, when you move, God will move. Man, see, people in this room, you've got a testimony. Your, your marriage nearly ended. It nearly came to, to naught, but now you fought through it. And now you love each other more than, than anybody. There's someone who needs to hear your testimony. You have a testimony. Use what you have. There are people in this room, you've been through trials. You've lost everything, but you're still standing. And because of God saw your faith, He blessed you. You've got a testimony. Use what you have. There are people in this room, you've gone through, you, 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 you've gone through addictions, and addiction after addiction after addiction, but something happened. God moved when you moved, and you've got a testimony. Someone needs to hear your testimony. Use what you have. Use what you have. That's the clue to living life, is use what you, oh, well, one day when I get my life right, then I'll, then I'll step in. No, no, no. Use what you have. Verse 13. Oh, it was there. And I love this. 
and I'll use what you have. Because you know what? It's not about your ability. And it's not even about your inability. But it's about your availability. Come on. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for your ability or your inability, but your availability that says, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. I'll do whatever it takes. Here I am. Use me. And then verse 14 goes on. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they killed some 20 men in the area about half an acre. And so here we have it. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they moved first. This is what happens next. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and the field and those in the outposts and raiding, raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. So you notice something. God didn't send, when did he send the earthquake? He sent it after they had moved. There was no sign for them. You know, there was no miraculous sign. For me, if I was the armor bearer, that's the sign. God's sending an earthquake. Come on, let's go attack. No, they stepped out on faith. They went and they fought. They, they, they took down one guy. Then they took a second guy. Then a third guy, a fourth guy. They got to 20 guys. Then God moved. Sometimes we, we're, we're in a battle. You know, we feel like God's calling us and things get hard. We take down one guy. That was really hard. Oh, no, there's another. There's, you ever feel like you're in a battle? It seems like one thing after another, after another, after another, and you just want to give up. You just want to go home. So why am I here? But, you know, for, for Jonathan and his armor bearer, he didn't, they didn't just give up after the first guy or the second. They kept going. But it was after the 20th guy. Then God moved. Then God moves. You're waiting for God. Where are you? We are God saying, come on, keep moving, keep moving. I haven't left you, I'm here. Come on, keep moving. You're doing exactly what I've called you to do. You may th- feel like it's difficult, you th- may think it's hard. Come on, you're doing more than you think, there's more in you than you think that there is. Because honestly, we think that we're not good enough. God is saying, you're good enough, keep going, keep fighting. Don't give up. When they moved, God moved. They moved. Verse 16, Saul's lookout at, at Gibeah, and Benjamin saw the army mounting away in all directions. Then Saul said to his men who were with him, muster the forces to see who has left us. Because if his King Saul's like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a battle going on over there, but we're over here. Who's left us? And they, first, and they soon discover it was Jonathan and the armor bearer. So verse 18, Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God. See, Jonathan, he still wanted to see, wanted to see he still needed all the ducks to line up first before he did anything. He was still waiting for God to show him that he needs to to step out. While Saul was talking to the priest, the turmoil in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to his priest, priest, withdraw your hand till it was obvious that God wasn't moving. Come on, don't wait too late. If you wait too late, the glory has departed. The glory, if you wait too long, it's often too late. You need to move. Don't, don't, oh, well, when I get all my ducks lined up, then I'll move. No, you begin to move. When you move, faith, the enemy of faith is sight. Remember, it's sight. But faith is to be sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. Because it's not about your ability or your inability, but it's about your availability. Then verse 20, then Saul and all his men assembled and went into battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with the sword. This, this, this last passage, for me, really is the application of this, this whole narrative. This application of, okay, what do I do? How do, what do I, what do I do if I apply this into my life? What does that look like? And this is amazing what happens next. Verse 21, those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to, the, to their camp, went over to the Israelites 
who were with Saul and Jonathan. So those who were defected to the enemy because of the faith they saw in Jonathan and his armor bearer, it did something to them that they, they rejoined the army of God. They were over there. There are people in your life that you feel like they've gone. And there's people that you're praying for. Come on, let your faith be so much so that when they see your faith, that they'll come back. You know, I've defected to the enemy, but because your faith was so strong that I had to come back. I had to come. When I saw the way that, that, that you handled the death of your mother, when I saw the way that you, you handled the sickness of your child, when I saw the way that you handled the financial difficulties, the way I saw you, you kept standing in strength. I had to come back. I had to come back because I know that there is a God who loves me who will never leave me nor forsake me. Let your faith rise up so much so that you cause others to come back to God. Come on, can I hear an amen in this place? Come on, give God the glory. God is looking for whatever it takes, generation, whatever it takes. And then verse 22, when all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. Now, let me tell you something. These, These men were afraid. They were scared. I understand. I've been in a place where I'm scared, I'm afraid. I just want to hide. I just want to stay in my bed. You ever been there? I just want to stay in my bed. I don't want to go out because it's too hard out there. But the faith of Jonathan and his armor bearer did something in their lives. See, what it did for the Philistines, it produced fear. For the Israelites, it produced boldness. And these guys who were hiding, all of a sudden, something began to change inside of them. All of a sudden, courage, faith began to rise up so much so that they rejoined the battle because the way that you serve, the way that you love God, when you begin to serve God of all your heart, when you you begin to pursue excellence, you do something in people around you. People who thought, you know what, I can't do it. All of a sudden, faith begins to rise up within them. And you know what, what I thought I couldn't do it, but you know what, your faith has shown that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's a battle. Whatever it takes, generation, whatever it takes, I am with you. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Whatever it takes. And I love in 23, it says, So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. The Lord saved Israel. And the battle moved beyond Beth-Avon. Come on. When you let your light shine, when you're not afraid to let your light shine, you get permission for everybody else to do the same. Because it's your faith. It's your faith that brings out the best of those around you. Because it's not about your ability or your inability, but it's about your availability. See, will you be that person? Will you be that person that that will do whatever it takes? Will you be that person that when people watch the way that you handle trial, that you'll encourage them to stand? The way that you handle sickness, the way that you handle cancer, the way that you handle betrayal, the way that you handle financial difficulties, the way that you handle the ministry, the way that you handled a season of a hardship with your children. As people watch your faith, they will be encouraged in their own life to do the same. Will you be and what whatever it takes generation? Will you be a person that says, whatever it takes, Lord, here I am, use me. Whatever it takes, I'll use what I have. I haven't got much, but what I have, I'll use it. Whatever it takes.